Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Wow, what a welcome. Welcome to you. My name is Todd and I have the honor and privilege of being asked by Jeff to answer that question for you today. Um, and when I say honor, I really mean an honor, um, because this time last year, I was asked to speak for the first time here at Renaissance, and uh, I was real nervous about it. I hadn't done it for many years. I used to be a pastor for many years, stepped away from that, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but uh, to come back and do something that I used to do every week that I hadn't done for a couple of years was, was kind of nerve-wracking, but uh, this year to come back has been... Uh, a real honor and a privilege because, well, they asked me back, uh, which means I didn't suck last year. And uh, so it's great to be back and to be asked that question and what my answer to that question would be. Here's the question that I got asked by Joe, I think sometime back in April. We had lunch and he asked me this question. He said, of all the things that you've learned about who God is, what is that one thing that you'd love to share with Renaissance? Now, when I got asked that question last year uh, of what that one thing was then, the answer was immediate. I knew what it was probably before the question was asked. But this year I struggled a bit. And I really prayed and asked God, God, what is it that if, let's say I don't get asked back, let's say this is my one shot at Renaissance, what would I want them to hear of who God is? And um, I'm kind of excited about the answer, but let's pray first. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, a place like this to come and just be ourselves and worship you. And wow, what a worship band we have. What a time that was of just worshiping and declaring your goodness and your greatness. And so, Lord, I just pray that right now, as, as we kind of settle in for a minute, that you'll just allow us to, all distractions to be removed, that you allow us and everyone here to focus on you, what you have to say. And I pray, Lord, that each person in this room will hear from you, whether I say it or not. That's my prayer, and that's all I ask in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. The question of all the things that you've learned about who God is, what is that one thing you'd love to share with Renaissance? And my answer is three words. It's three words that probably you wouldn't normally put together, but these are the three words. What's that one thing that I'd want Renaissance to know about who God is? God 
is now. God is now. Now, when I say that, maybe you're wondering, that's crazy. I've never heard anybody say anything like that. Well, here's what I mean by that. I think so often in our minds, in our brains, in our thinking, we spend so much of our day, so much of our thoughts, either in one of two places. We're either thinking about things that happened in the past. Maybe we're thinking about things that we regret, things that we feel guilty about. Or maybe we're struggling with forgiving something that somebody did in the past. Maybe we're, we've got some grief, some sorrow over something that happened in the past. Or maybe we just want to relive the glory days and rehash the things that happened in the past. And so our mind is not here, but it's back there somewhere. Or... On the other hand, maybe we spend much of our time thinking about things that may happen in the future. We worry. We're anxious. We, maybe you've never heard this word before. We catastrophize. Have you ever heard? What's catastrophize? It means you think through the worst possible scenario of something that could happen in the future. So if it happens, you're prepared. That's catastrophizing. And how much of our days maybe are we spent in the past or in the future thinking about, worrying about things that might happen in the future? Or we maybe think through things in the future of, well, you know what? I'm going to be happy as soon as. Someday I'll be happy when I have this or this happens and we put off living and we put off our life because it's all out there somewhere in the future. And somewhere in the middle is what? It's right here, right now. And those moments that we had, those gifts of moments, of seconds, that God has given us, we missed. We totally missed because we're where? Our mind is either in the past or in the future and we're missing the gift of now. God is now and has given us these moments that he actually wants us to enjoy and experience everything he has for us. Let me show you what I mean by that because I think Jesus spoke to this very thing. You're thinking, where did Jesus talk about now? He did. And let me show you. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to uh, Matthew 6. If you don't have a Bible with you and you'd like to turn there, there's Bibles there underneath the seats. Turn to uh, page 811. That's where Matthew 6 is. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, take that one with you. Uh, take it home, bring it back next week. And uh, I hope that you're turning to page 811 because I want you to see exactly what it is that Jesus said. Now, we're going to put the words up here on the screen as well. But while you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of context. Because this is during something that is called traditionally the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you may have the idea kind of logistically 
what I would have thought before I actually had the opportunity to travel to Israel and to be where this sermon actually took place. I would have always thought, well, it's a sermon on the mount. So Jesus is standing up on top of this mountain and he's talking down to the people and they're looking up to him. It's just the opposite. Where this actually took place, Jesus is kind of down at the bottom of a hill in kind of an amphitheater kind of styled hill. If you will, to give you a visual, um, do you remember when uh, we used to be able to go sledding down the hill at Nelson Park? You know, right there where the pool used to be and there was that steep hill and you could slide down the hill and sled down the hill and right over to the side was Lake Decatur. Well, that's kind of what this setting is like. Jesus is speaking up to a crowd on a hill and just over to the side is the Sea of Galilee. It is a beautiful setting and there's birds and there's flowers and there's nature all around. And in the middle of this message, he says these words. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 26. He says, or no, verse 25, sorry. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look, look at the birds of the air. You have the setting? You see them? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There's two words I want to point out in what he said there. In verse 26, what's the first word? Look. That word that he uses is the word, it it literally means an engaged look, a, a, a stare. To stare, the definition says, in a sustained way. In other words, Jesus is saying, Stop! Look. Look at the look at the birds. Stop what you're thinking. And just be here, be now, and look at that bird. And then in verse 28, it's a completely different word, but kind of conveys the same things, because in verse 28, he says this, and why are you anxious about clothing? What's the next word? Consider. That that word literally means to learn thoroughly. It's different words. Note accurately, consider this Well, he's holding, maybe he reaches down, he picks up a lily and he holds it and he says, look, consider this. Stop what you're doing, 
Stop your thinking about the past or the future and just be here now. God is now. Jesus, in the middle of this beautiful scene, says, stop and look and consider what I've given you to enjoy. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, that sounds great, but you know, we can't live always here and now, and, and, and we, sometimes we have to deal with that and deal with this, and that is true. But let me give you a for instance. When I was here last year to, to preach last year, um, I had just stepped away from a position at Oasis Day Center. I was the director at Oasis Day Center. What's that? That is a, it was a day shelter, still is, a day shelter for the homeless of Decatur. And I had done that for a couple of years. And prior to that, had literally been in full-time ministry for 27 years. So when I stepped away from that last year, um, there was a period of time that I was unemployed and looking for a position. And I found one um, in August. And my new position now, I'm a, an advocate at a place called the Child First Center. It was formerly called the Macon County Child Advocacy Center, and no, we're not CASA. Kind of do the same thing, but much more comprehensive. And part of my job is that I deal with kids and families where there has been an allegation or an accusation of physical or sexual abuse of a child. Um, it's not the easiest job in the world sometimes. And one of the things that I do is that whenever there has been a case that has been charged by law enforcement in the court system is that I then meet with the families and the children and the state's attorney's office to prepare that child and the family to actually go to court and to testify in court. It's a traumatic kind of thing as you might be able to imagine. Because what, and sometimes the, the children range and that I've been dealing with from five to 16, 17 years old. And it's a traumatic thing because we're preparing them for this traumatic event that's where? In the future. It's in the future. It's, they're anxious. They're scared to death. But they have to, first of all, deal with what? They have to be able to communicate and talk about what happened in the past. So a good part of my day, I am literally dealing with people and allowing them, where having them do what? Remember what happened in the past to prepare them for something in the future. That's what I do. Sometimes it's necessary to think about those things, but it's not where you live. And that's exactly what I think Jesus is saying here in this sermon. He's saying, stop, look, consider, learn well this gift that I have given you, this gift of what? The gift of now. Each moment is God's gift to you and to me. And it's, when we call it a gift, it's, some, it's something that you don't earn. It's something that you don't deserve. You don't get the next second because you're a really good person. You get the next second because he loves you and he's given you this very well-given gift to enjoy a lily, a bird, 
a moment, each moment that God's given you. But we don't always do it, do we? We're so busy thinking, regretting, worrying, instead of enjoying the moment that he's given us. We have at our house, we have some lilies at our house. Maybe you have some too. Um, They're not Easter lilies. They're not tiger lilies. You know what they're called? They're called day lilies. And you know the great thing about day lilies is, how long do you have to enjoy them? One day. Because today they're here. Tomorrow they'll be all wilted up and gone. Life is a lot like that. We have been given the gift of a day, a minute, a moment. But so often we miss it because we're so busy thinking about other things. <laughs> Several weeks ago, Jeff, when he was talking about Jacob, and he talked about Jacob waking up from this dream. And it's one of my, it's really kind of what prompted this whole idea for me to talk about this today. Because here was the verse. And Jacob woke from this dream and he said, Surely God was in this place and I was not aware of it. I got to tell you, folks, that describes my life a lot of times. How about you? Surely God is in this place. And I was not aware of it. I missed it because I was too busy thinking about that back there, anticipating that up there instead of just being here now. One of the great things that I love about this place is um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but before the service starts, have you ever listened to what goes on in this room? If you haven't, next time you're here, I would recommend, highly recommend that you listen to what's going on in this room. Because you know what? It gets really loud sometimes. It gets really loud. And depending on who's here and depending who starts the laughter, it gets louder and louder. And you know what? I love that. Because I grew up in a church where when you went to church, when you walked into the sanctuary, what happened to your voice? Why, do we get, why did we get so quiet? Well, if you ask your mom, how come, how come we're whispering? She might say something like, because God's in here. <laughs> Am I right? But you know what? Something gets communicated in that. Because if I have to be quiet because God's in there, does that mean he's not It's called localizing God, and I think we do that a lot. But instead, God is to be celebrated and recognized, and that's why I love this place, is because we recognize that he's here, and we can get real loud, and we don't have to worry about it, because he's in here, and he's out there, and he's everywhere, and he just wants to be recognized and seen in each moment for the gift that it is. A couple years ago, I was kind of talking kind of around this subject in the church that I was pastoring. And, and um, after doing that, my wife, Jennifer, and that's her over there, um, 
Yeah, that's our spot. If you're here at nine o'clock, you know, second row, that side, that's us. Um, but uh, after doing that, we traveled to Florida for, uh, you know, I don't know, a week or 10 days to just, you know, chill and relax. And I had just talked about this, of how important it was to be here and be now. And we're literally sitting on the beach. You know, we're in the lounge chairs outside the condo that we rent, and the beach is, the sand is right there. <laughs> there's the ocean. There's the sun. I mean, what better place? And before long, we're sitting there, and it was like, well, do you remember what happened last year? Yeah, but they, you know, those people, no, they weren't here last year. That was two years ago. And, you know, and remember then when that, what are we doing? We're here in this moment in this wonderful place and all we can talk about was what happened. Or we're sitting there and we're like, well, you know what? What if next year, what if we brought the kids back? And what if we had all the grandkids and that would be great and we could get that condo and that condo. And we're, we're sitting there in this wonderful, beautiful, pristine place and what are we doing? Are we there? No. We're debating what happened two years ago and we're planning on what might happen next year instead of just being right there, enjoying the moment. So we recognize that. It's like, okay, we're not gonna do that anymore. And when I did that, something very interesting happened. When I was intentionally there in that moment, enjoying each and every second, you know what my automatic response was? And I would have never have dreamed of this, but it was true. When I was there, just enjoying the moment, looking out over the sun, the sand, the beach, the boats, the waves, all I could say was, thank you. Thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this wife. Thank you for this Son, the, everything that you've given, thank you. So is it possible? So here, here's my thought process. If being present, if the natural response to being present in a moment is gratitude, is the opposite of that also true? If you are more grateful, can you then be more present? Maybe. I think so. If being present produces gratitude, then can being more grateful make you more present? And I think the answer is yes. And it's even in the Bible. Let me show you what I mean. Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4 for just a second. Philippians 4, uh, page 982. While you're turning there, again, some context. Paul is writing these words. He's actually writing these words. And Joe, I got to say, you killed it last week talking about Paul hanging upside down with chains. Really? I, didn't have, I never knew that. I never heard that. And so probably what Paul is, he's in prison. And he's probably not writing because it's kind of hard to write when you're upside down. So he's probably saying to a scribe, he's saying, write these words down. In prison, upside down, he has these words written. Listen, Philippians chapter 4, 
verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Be there, be now, be here, be present. Because see, here's the thing. It's hard to be grateful and angry at the same time. It's hard to be thankful and anxious. It's hard to be worried or guilty or experience regret and be thankful at the same time. Gratitude, I think, pushes us into the present, into the here and into the now. But there's something else. It's being here not just produces gratitude and gratitude produces being here, but look what else. I've already read it, but there's another benefit of this. Look at verse six or verse seven. And uh, if you do this, what happens? And the what? And the peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Your minds, your thoughts where your head is. Is it then and there or is it here and now? You want to be more present? Be more grateful. You want to be more grateful? You'll be more present. And what's the result? Peace. Why? Because think about this. The past, my past, your past, if your trust is in Jesus, the Bible says your past is what? It's forgiven. It's paid for. It's free. It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You're not good enough for it. It's free. Your past is forgiven. And if your trust is in Jesus, your future is what? It's secure. It's it's a sure thing. It's going to be okay. The past is forgiven. The future is ahead and we trust it. And it's all a gift. A gift given to you by a gracious God who just wants you to appreciate it, recognize it, and experience the very gift that you have of now. Now, one other thing, and I want you to see this next verse in Philippians 4 because there's something else that happens here. When I was preparing for this, I didn't see this until later on. Look at verse 8. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, do what? Think about these things. Is Paul telling us how to think? He's saying, yeah, whatever is this, whatever is this but I want you to see what he doesn't say. He doesn't say whatever was true. He doesn't say whatever will be true. He doesn't say whatever 
was honorable in the past or whatever will be honorable in the future. He says whatever is right here, right now. Think on these things. And when you do, look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard from me. In other words, do this. Practice these things and the what? The God of peace will be with you. It's the payoff. The payoff is peace. To be here, to be now, to be present. But we don't, do we? (laughs) We don't. We spend so much time. A couple weeks ago, Jeff was talking. He said somebody walked up to him and said, you know, Jeff, how are you doing? And, and he had the courage to admit, I'm kind of worried. And I'm sitting over there going, dude, what are you worried about? Why w-? And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, but you know what I've been sitting here doing the entire time Jeff's preaching? I'm worried about what I'm going to talk about. We don't always do it. We get anxious. We talk about what happened in the past. We live the glory days. Oh, for the good old days. As soon as. I'll be happy. And whenever this happens, we don't always stay right here, right now. So you know what? Just, just admit it. Just acknowledge the fact that we're not always here and now. Or to use kind of a churchy word, Confess it and just say, God, I do this all the time. I don't want to. I want to be here. I want to enjoy each and every moment. I want to see every day, Lily, that I can because it's a gift from you. Now, how do we do it? I I always try to have a little bit of application somehow. Here's a couple of suggestions for you. Number one, How many of you like to get stopped at red lights? Don't you just love red lights? You know, you're on your way to work, you're late. Ugh! I never get through that light. Okay, instead of seeing a red light as an enemy, see it as an opportunity. If you're stopped at a red light, okay, what are you going to do? You can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. You're stopped there for a month. So here's what you do. Just stop and be there. And be grateful. Have some gratitude in your heart. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have a car. Thank you for this day. If it's raining, thank you for this rain. Because if we don't have rain, then we have a drought. And then we have a... Thank you. Just be there for that moment. Or if you want to go on to some real graduate level gratitude, see if you can do it when you're sitting at a train. (laughs) That's a little longer than a stoplight. Do it. Just say, I'm here. I'm now. I'm I'm enjoying this gift that God has given me right here, right now. I'm not worried about that up there. I'm not concerned about what happened. I'm here now. One other thing. Three words. Three words that I think all of us, I hope, can remember. Is that if you really want to apply this, just think of three words. Number one, stop. Sometime during your day. Maybe multiple times during your day. See if you can do it a couple of times today. First of all, just stop. Stop your brain. 
Stop your thinking and just stop. And what do we say is the, we, what we got to do, what Jesus said? He said, look or consider, there's word number two. So stop and then look. Look around you. Look around you and see all the things that you have to be grateful for. And there's word number three, thank. Stop, look, thank. Three simple words that may usher you into the very presence of God and to be there and to be now and to experience the gift that each and every moment can be if we'll just see it. Last week, I was meeting with a dad at the state's attorney's office, and we were potentially preparing his daughter to testify in court. As it turned out, she didn't have to do that, and yay God. But during kind of a particularly animated part of our meeting, this dad finally looked over to me and the assistant state's attorney that I was dealing with, and he looked at us and he said, I just want my daughter to enjoy her life. I just want my daughter to enjoy her life, the rest of her life. And part of my heart just broke. Because here's the thing, what parent doesn't, right? What parent doesn't want our kids to enjoy every single second of their lives? What about our heavenly parent? You think he wants us to What about our heavenly father? You think he wants us to enjoy every possible single second we can? I think he does too. And so he has given you and me the gift of moments to be there, to be now. And maybe we can a little more today, tomorrow. What's the one thing I would like to tell Renaissance? God is now. Be here. Be now. Be that way. Now, this morning is also the first Sunday of the month, which means it's a communion Sunday. And sometimes people come up here and have little things to say, and and Joe's going to come up in a moment uh, and actually once the elements have been distributed, he's actually going to do that with you. But I just want to offer another quick perspective on communion before we jump into that. Back in Philippians 4.8, remember what I said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, think on these things. He didn't say whatever was true, whatever will be true, whatever is true. Paul said, think on these things. And today, we're going to celebrate a meal. We call it communion, the Lord's Supper. And when Jesus was giving those kind of instructions of what was actually happening that day, what did he do? He took a piece of bread and he took some wine and he said what? This, what? Is my body. This is my blood. Paul said, think on these things, whatever is true, whatever is. And 
For centuries, people have debated about what that is really means. But here's maybe what he's trying to say. Jesus didn't say, this was my body. He didn't say, this was my blood. He didn't say, this will be my body. This will be my blood. He said, this what? Is my body. It's here. It's now. I'm with you here now. The past is forgiven. Celebrate it. The future is secure. God's there. He's already there. And he knows, and he's got you, and it's going to be great. In this moment, when Jesus is giving this meal, is he pulling something from the past, this meal called Passover that they were celebrating, and anticipating the future, a new creation, and he's bringing it into the moment, and he lifts up that bread, and he lifts up that cup, and he says, this is my body. This is my blood. You and I have an opportunity in the next few moments with cracker and grape juice to be here, to be now with Jesus, celebrating the past is forgiven, the future is secure, and we're here right now. Amen? What a God. What a gift he's given us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right here, right now, we're here. We're in this moment. And we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We recognize all that you've given us. And Lord, I just want to thank you this morning that the past is forgiven, the future you're there. It's secure. And we can celebrate right now peace. Peace in this moment. We see it as a gift. It's a precious gift. And I pray that as we eat this bread, drink this cup, we're here now celebrating the gift that you've given us to enjoy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.